Jill Sadler joins the show this week to discuss how she got her start in the industry as a busser and server before leaving to go work in a group home for several years. Eventually, the industry drew her back in, and she now owns her own business, Swine and Vine in Kitchener. Enjoy the show. Okay, welcome to another episode of the Industry Podcast. I'm Kip, I'm your host, and uh, with me is Dan Serretta, as always. How are you doing? I'm still doing well, thanks. And how about you? Yep, still bored. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if we're lucky if this, uh, by the time this one comes out, Sugar Run will be open again, but as of now, no. Um, <laughs> uh, we have another great guest today, Jill Sadler, one of the owners of Swine and Vine, and uh, in, that's in what, Waterloo, I guess. Uh, kind of on the line there. On the line? So as always, we'll just uh, get this going by letting you know the best way that you can help us out if you like what you're listening to is to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you listen. Um, And uh, with that being said, let's get this going. Jill, welcome to the Industry Podcast. How are you? Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for doing it. I'm doing about as good as everybody else in the industry is right now, you know? Right. Well, we were talking a little bit before we got recording that you are doing a bunch of takeouts still, so that's keeping you a little bit busy at least. For sure. Um, yeah, I'm busy. We've been yeah. able to keep a couple of our back-end staff like, fully employed, which is nice, um, but I'm kind of doing all the front-end order-taking and all of that um, jazz. So, yeah, so I'm still still working pretty full-time and then literally coming home and bored as everybody else is but i'm just so jealous i'm literally watching the wire for like the seventh time <laughs> yeah i mean i'm still making a good dent on my uh netflix library so yeah dark at, the, at the moment but um yeah no we've been pretty fortunate the takeout's been able to keep us afloat and sustainable and that's about all we can really ask at this point right. well that's good though i mean at least you're selling enough of it and uh yeah i know it's not uh You'd rather be making cocktails and serving people, but uh, yeah. it's something. It's something. <laughs> it's something. I mean, we're still here. I I feel like restaurants in general, it's going to be really interesting, even just whatever the next phase is when we are able to reopen. Um, I, I mean, there's lots of talk or you look at other countries and what they're doing, um, just, uh, you know, new stipulations. And I'm sure we're all going to be rushing out to get plexiglass, uh, depending on what they say. Um, so it's still a lot of uncertainties, as you know. Like, I'm really interested in that, like to see what the restrictions are going to be regarding capacity and then yeah. like safety precautions. Like if we're all going to be wearing face shields and gloves all the time, it's going to be, that's going to be some freaky shit. It's going to suck. Like hmm. it will, I understand it and we want to keep everybody safe and do our part, but I mean, if you talk about an ambiance killer, <laughs> yeah. be, you know, all of us wearing masks and gloves and there's going to be plexiglass between you and your server and the bartender. And, you know, for us, we're 30 seats. So if they yeah. make it go down to even half, you know, you're there with like three other tables, probably. Well, and that's the interesting thing, like uh, this capacity thing is because... I think what a lot of people don't understand about capacity regarding the bar and uh, restaurant industry is it's very, it has very little to do with the actual size of your space. It has to do with how many bathrooms you have and fire exits. And so like a place uh, at White Rabbit, for instance, our capacity was 
58 based on how many bathrooms we had in there and we only had the one entrance and exit so um well still they have i'm not there anymore but the uh so our capacity was like 58 people but we could easily put 150 people in there you know so if if they're really gonna be strict on the guidelines of the capacity number then that's not really fair to some places at all like you say you got 30 seats but you could probably put more people in there like Oh, for sure. Definitely. You can mm-hmm. pack. I feel like actually our dining room might be like square footage wise, maybe even a little bit bigger than White Rabbit. But you're right. We only have one bathroom accessible to customers. So right. that's kind of your limit. Now, I'm lucky now because Sugar Run, we almost like we, we might put like 150 people in there some nights, but like our capacity is 130. So the number won't be too bad for us if they go down to 50% or 25%. It just means yeah, like that's they- good. Yeah, pay less people to work, but still, yeah, I think the smaller places are going to get a little screwed by that. For sure, because for bigger establishments, you you know, if they're only allowed half their capacity, you just like shut off a section of the restaurant or right. You, yeah, you just don't sit tables there. But I thought about that. Too. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, uh, it'll, it's just going to be interesting to see kind of what they. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. I was talking with my business partner, and we were like, if they. We thought about shutting down a section to make it look fuller, but then that's kind of the opposite of what people want, right? They want to keep distance. So I don't know how that's going to work. It's going to look pretty sparse wherever you go. It's going to be strange. Mm -hmm. It'll be but. Well, that's now. Let's go back to the past. All right. Let's do it. That's Um, now. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So uh, we're just rolling, going to roll through sort of your history and industry here. And you uh, started when you were. Pretty young, 15, 16? 15, 16, yeah. I probably don't really remember, but I was definitely, you know, young high school years, just trying to get a job. And um, yeah, I don't think it, I don't think anyone really sets out like it's their dream to be in the industry. It's always just kind of um, means to an end at first. And then if they find they really love it, I always try, you know, tried to get out of it, to be honest. It was always, you know, um, I needed money I needed to be self-sufficient or Mm -hmm. um so yeah it was kind of a means to an end put myself through you know university and have my own place my own car I've got bills to pay and you can make pretty good money as as um you know as a server so yeah the hours are pretty conducive to going to school at the same time as well you can work pretty much you can work days or nights or whatever you there's there's always hours for you exactly exactly Mm -hmm. so uh yeah I started as a as a busser like at Oscars which is still around on Victoria Street um but yeah so family run like breakfast high turnover you know you work your Saturday Sundays and it's lined up for the majority of the day so you're just kind of go 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 running clearing tables um and then I always wanted to serve just because purely the money is better and you want right. to so I got my smart serve right when I was 18 and that's where, like, they gave me a shot serving. This um, at the same spot. And did you um, did you find that? Uh, like, what did you find that the busing experience? How how did it prepare you to jump right into serving? Uh, or maybe it well, didn't. I think it, it, it kind of teaches you not so much the steps of service, but like what you need 
time management wise, what you need to do in order to things moving. Yeah. That's what I like. Everybody who's done that job, the busing or the hostessing or hosting is, Mm -hmm. uh, I find that that's like, it is good training ground because it does teach you how to organize your time a little bit, like not to the level you need it to be when you really start serving, but it gives you at least a a framework. It gives you the good, yeah. It gives you like a good base, just how to, you know, make all of your steps count and um, how to prioritize on the fly sort of thing. So that then when you do serve, yeah, obviously you're adding to that. There's more involved in in serving your tables, but um, I think more just the organization and the yeah and the time management. Yeah, and uh, working at a spot like that, uh, the other thing, like I think those personally, I mean, people t- tend to look down on the family restaurants, breakfast spots, whatever, as like high end serving, though, especially if you get into like more fine dining or even just nightclub or whatever. It seems to yeah. be like your base level, but so, like the lowest. But some of the best people that I've ever worked with started in jobs like that because of the turnover is so like crazy and you're yeah. you, the, you have to hustle so hard to and manage your time so well. To For do sure. Job I don't think I would have been as good of a server in any other place if I didn't have that, mm-hmm. that experience. Because like, so then after that, I went to like Jack's Family Restaurant, which is still in St. Jacobs. So they went and opened that establishment. So I was there for, for the opening, opening crew. So it's um, the same ownership group. Do you want to talk a little bit about them? Do you like working for these people? You obviously must have liked it if you followed them. Doing so actually, but Oscars, they originally opened that, but I had just, so it's Kate and Theo okay. um, and they've had tons of different restaurants. Now they own corner kitchen and oh like they God. have a down, to a science like they definitely know how to run a tight ship and they they know how to do it well um but i just missed them actually at oscars they had just left and sold it so i oh, did okay. but everybody there had worked for them so i kind of knew what i was getting into ownership wise okay so i went out to jack's but that that dining room's huge like if you and of course if you're a, a good server they're gonna put you in like the, the far farthest sections and the biggest section. So you're like, you're busting your ass. You're running basically just to get from the kitchen to the back of the dining room. So you for sure have to, like, if you forget a drink, it's like going to add another five minutes on yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've worked at places like that as well. And like, it's one thing that's sort of underrated about that people talk about with their service experiences, like how much real estate you have to cover and how much that can make you better because like it's like you said if you forget one thing well you've just cost yourself 10 to 15 minutes right that you don't have yeah yeah so So then you learn how to carry more plates like at a place like that you're not worried about really like what you're looking like as you're carrying right and stuff so you're just trying to make your trip worth it so you want to learn how to carry four plates and you know three coffee pots in one hand right yeah i remember taking like at the bomb shelter at ethel's just like four pint glasses in your hand and just like running yeah, it's like yeah. i was like wow i would never do that now but and then you go to a different place and, they're, and yeah. they're like oh if you have two drinks you need to you know use a tray it's like, I, I tell them i tell my staff to use a tray for one drink now <laughs> so yeah. it's pretty funny yeah so you don't even like it well at that time at that point in my serving career i didn't even think of it like, no yeah i know but it, I, and also you don't really have the fucking time right like i'm not gonna like, stop and mm. think about grabbing a tray like just go like no yeah yeah i'm making like a 250 off this table i need to fucking turn <laughs> <it down. laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah but that's the thing the turnover is so huge at that place get them in get them out yeah. and your 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 check sizes are smaller but you're 
turning them over enough that you yeah. still. And you know what's also I think people don't talk about enough is do you find I mean there's always places that you make more money than others, but do you find that no matter what job you do, everybody kind of makes it around the same amount of money? It's just how you Pretty make much. it. Yeah, yeah, like you work in a high turnover spot like that and you're, you might work harder like physically harder yeah. than working yeah. at like a fine dining restaurant but you make around the same money and same like at like i worked at nightclubs where you, like your whole job is between midnight and two just popping as many bottles and making as many bar yeah. shots as possible during that time and again around the same amount of money like yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, crazy how that works out. yeah because instead of serving like at a higher end place, instead of me serving, you know, three or four tables, you're serving, you know, 20, 25. Right. So yeah. It all, it all kind of works out. To be and honest. it's just very different. It's like one's more mentally challenging and the other one's more physically challenging. Like you don't have to spend a lot of time with your customers at the high turnover spot. But no, they don't really want to even really be talking to you. No, I barely want to be talking to me. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, okay, so you the so you're going you fi- you finish uh, your time in St. Jacobs and yep. then you get into what many of the people we've had on this show already have done is get into the charcoal group here in Kitchener Waterloo. Yeah, I feel like that's like a rite of passage. Almost. The- I don't know how I missed it actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's good and bad. I, I actually, that was my shortest serving gig was at Dell's. I think I only worked there for about a year. Um, it's, I, now as ownership, I kind of, I can understand and appreciate like the rigorous training and I, you know, set of what seems like 17 million shadow shifts at the time to like bring you right. up to the point where they'll put you on the floor. And it's like, okay, I know, I know how to serve. Like, okay. I get like, Sorry to interrupt you, but can we talk about that for a second? Because we haven't talked about that on the show yet, the shadow shifts and how humiliating that is. (laughs) Nobody enjoys them. Like customers either. Like I know you have to do it and I get it. Why? And but like, it's just an awkward experience for everyone. But there you have to do a lot of them. Yeah. And for those who don't know, it's just like you literally follow and uh, a, a more veteran server at that yeah. specific spot around and watch them work for the entire shift. And yeah, you're literally make... their shadow. Yeah, and, and the funny thing is, like, there's places that do that even if you have been a server your whole life. Like, they still make you do that. It's so that's what they do at this charcoal. Yeah, they do at the charcoal group, and I get it. There's like, I I fully understand why they have to do it, but at the time, you're like, okay. I've been serving for I for this many years. Mm. I understand how to serve a table. Like I under, like I can appreciate that this is the charcoal way of doing it, but I don't need to be shadowing three shifts and then reverse shadowing like another three shifts. Uh, reverse shadowing is you have a veteran server following you around while you do your job. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. And is that for the entire shift or just like a two-hour block or one-hour block? That's for the whole shift. Oh, Jesus Christ. So I remember, yeah, I remember being a lot because it was at least, I had like a full week, I think. Wow. Of like, yeah. And it's like for you, if for someone who's, okay, yeah, learn the way they do it there, that's fine. But like for someone like you at that point, you you know the steps of service, you know how to serve a yeah. table. One shift should cover that. Like, Or I should, they should, they should be able to tell that like one yeah. shift and you got it. And honestly, if it takes you three, I'm a little concerned and you should probably <laughs> yeah. not care yeah. me anyways. Like, 
Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Maybe maybe this job's not for you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and what else? To tell me what any anything else you could tell me about the um, challenges or rewards of working at like a more corporate spot like that. Uh, I think like it gives you a good base. I mean, for now, for now, now that I'm in an ownership role, it definitely helps you to like training manuals and things that are standardized. It mm-hmm. helps me get a good base um, for why they do why they do that. They've kind of figured it out. Obviously, they own many successful restaurants in the area, and so I understand, you know why we have to do the shadow shifts and why, you know, you have to have all the menu tests before you get into it. Um, It just wasn't for me. Like, I think that's the, I just don't like a, I don't like the corporate feel. Um, And it was a big establishment so much so that there's a lot of like, obviously everybody knows the industry can be uh, gossipy and catty and, so then in that building, like for people who aren't familiar with the Turkle complex, there's three different restaurants. So that's a lot of employees. So I just found it to be very um, high school-y. Yeah, we talked about that um, on a previous episode. I can't remember with who now, but um, that is a huge thing in this industry. And I don't know, maybe it's the same in like if you work in a cubicle in an office but I feel like probably not to the level that we get in the service industry. Where yeah, it's just, I yeah, yeah, I don't think it's quite the same. I I don't know. I think at an or I, I've never really worked in an office. I yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. I never would want to, <laughs> but um, I think there's more like you don't necessarily share so much of your personal life. And I don't know what it is about the service industry because you spend so much time together or just the nature of it. But like people know your business, even yeah. if you don't want them to be knowing yeah. your business. So, and, and God forbid you shit where you eat in that industry. Oh and, my gosh, there was so <laughs> much of that, so yeah. much of that. Like, uh, so there was a lot of. Yeah, <laughs> well, especially at a place like that where you have so yeah. many employees, right? And exactly. they're all they're all around the same age for the most part. You always have a couple older people working there who are like married or out of that scene, but yeah, there's, you got a big group of people in there. 20s and 30s who are generally getting drunk getting drunk they're all working the same weird hours so then yeah. we go like at the time then we go to milton's and that you know after our shift or mm. then the bent elbow came thank god so we could drink better beer but yeah uh, <laughs> yeah so then you're hanging out with these people you're partying with them after work and it's just a recipe for yeah, and then once you've made those mistakes that we've all made, then it's like it's, it's the fucking high school atmosphere. Then it's just talked about endlessly. Yeah. Like yeah. you can't escape it until somebody else fucks somebody, and then you're off. Yeah, <laughs> which I mean, at a place like that, isn't that long? Yeah, but you don't have to wait so long. Yeah. Not so long, but I there. What really struck me is I actually didn't shit where you know, like I didn't even because I could just see how much of a disaster it led to. Mm. But I was fairly new and um, I ended up hearing a rumor about myself that was like, but it was started by one of the man, one of my managers. Oh, wow. And like completely, like completely untrue. So I don't know. That's happened to all of us too. I think if you've worked in this industry for like more than even five years, 
there's a guarantee that there's at least been one completely false rumor passed around. Sure. Like, and, oh, yeah. and then you just learn as you get older, you can't do anything about it. So it's like, whatever, Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's for a manager, but that, part of that's probably because the management's relatively young at a place. hundred percent. Like, yeah. She was probably like two or three years older than me. Like really. Yeah. She's like your peer, basically. Right. Yeah. So yeah, like as, as you move into like more fine dining type establishments, the management tends to be a little older because they're mm-hmm. more lifers at that point. But place like that, they just promote people quickly because they have to because the turnover. Yeah, the, the turnover is so high. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so I I don't know. Maybe I would have stayed there longer. Um, but uh, Dan McCowan, who is the owner at Red House, he was the the charcoal steakhouse chef at the time and he was leaving to to open his own place so he approached me at that point um to see if i'd be you know willing to go work for him and red house is um right so up sort of like just on the outskirts of uptown waterloo um look cute little house uh yeah like very known like mostly for great food cocktails and wine caroline really industry right yeah yeah yeah, so talk to about that because that's one of my favorite restaurants. So let's let's talk about Red House yeah. for a little bit. Yeah, Red House is amazing. If if you haven't gone, you definitely should check it out. Um, I think that's probably what shifted my whole kind of mentality. From I still wanted to get out of the industry, but it, uh, I think looking back at it now, that's probably the restaurant that the restaurant job that brought like those the memories, the people that I met, and that experience was what ultimately brought me back to this whole um, this, this whole world and uh, you're I, I know you're known for your um you, you've become well known in this town for your cocktail mm-hmm. uh your cocktails and um so is that where that kind of started for sure because i never bartended i've never really like bartended at i didn't even do bar actually at the steakhouse i only did table service um so yeah red house is small enough that you know, all the, all the servers were trained on making the cocktails. Right. Um, we didn't have a designated bartender. So that was definitely the first, um, my first exposure to craft cocktails and, um, actually making, you know, good drinks. So did you, um, were you involved in the creation of the list from the jump or was somebody else doing that when you first got there? Uh, Somebody was always doing that. Like I didn't, I had never actually made cocktails at Red House. And it's kind of funny actually that I even have become known or somewhat known, whatever you want to call it for my cocktails. Um, because even opening Swine and Vine, like I didn't have any bar experience. It sounds bad. It's like, oh, well, I like drinking. And yeah. Like, yeah. No, but so. that's, that's a huge part of it. It's funny. I'm a, uh, uh, I've been doing a couple like online cocktail classes during this thing yeah. just to do some people have reached out. And it's like, I tell people that a lot of it has to do with, you really need to just drink and try different things and yeah. then, and develop your palate. And it's the same with wine. Right. And then that's how you can learn how to figure out what tastes good together. So exactly. It's it's like cooking. Like yeah. I think, I think of it like cooking, like you learn what flavors go together, but for sure it's just, like trying a bunch of different things um and like I don't think my cocktails are super crazy or pretentious or like 
They're very pretty. They're very pretty. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, but I want them to taste good. Like it's so annoying to go to a bar and get a cocktail that like takes however long to make and they're doing all these, you know, rinses and spritzes and then it tastes like shit. Like Yeah, that and that happens way more than you would it think, happens right? A lot. Yeah. yeah. A lot. I can't tell and like even the presentation might be good, but then you take but a then sip. Then you drink and- it and it's like yeah you know and i can appreciate even if it's not my type of like obviously i like to drink like my spirits i love bourbon and i like gin mm. i guess like tequila too but um i like a lot of things but i can tell if it's a well made or well built balanced right. cocktail even yeah. if it's not necessarily my up your alley yeah yeah, yeah. a cup of tea type of a thing so um yeah that's interesting because uh yeah, I think that people have gotten to this movement now where they're getting so out there with trying to come up with something new and creative rather than just sticking to what might just fucking taste good, right? Like you don't you don't have to reinvent the wheel because let's be honest about it. All these people who think that they're coming up with something wholly creative and unique. It's Somebody's just, already done it. It's, yeah, what you're doing is you're expanding on another idea or exactly. altering it slightly to your taste. Like everything, there's you're not coming up with an original plot line for a movie anymore either. Like you're just taking something else and and tweaking it, right? So and that's why I, I have a hard time with a lot of the pretension of these people who are pretentiousness. Sorry, of the people who are. Um, like fancy themselves craft cocktail savants i'm like just you're not what are you really doing (laughs) you know i mean great let's make something that tastes good and that looks good but yeah and i and like yeah you're not reinventing the wheel like no and 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 i don't think my cocktails i guess i've like just because you're adding more elements to it doesn't make it better. I don't oh, know. Like, let's scale it back less. Less is more. That's what I think. And like, if you can actually make the spirit, like I want to taste the spirit and I want the, the other components to the drink to, you know, play off that and accentuate and make, make the spirit itself taste better. You're really or, starting through my mail right now, because that is one of my big things right now. Like if you're making a drink that's supposed to be, tequila forward or rum forward or whiskey forward you need isn't the point to be able to taste that spirit like as opposed to just dumping a bunch of flavored syrup into it like i just yeah yeah, Yeah. i'm over that um i I wanted to touch on something you kind of were um moving around there is that uh you know when like um customers will order something off a menu they read the entire description of it and then because you were saying, like, even if it's not your cup of tea, you can decide if it's a well-balanced, good cocktail. Yeah. My frustration with these customers who, like, read the whole description, you even warn them, okay, so it's really peaty or smoky or yeah. spicy. Yeah. And then they drink it and they're like, no, that's just, that's way too spicy. Like, I'm like what? Oh, I, have <laughs> yeah. well, I think on, a, like, our opening list, I did something, like, a riff. It was uh, supposed to be, like, a white Russian. Like, obviously, it's creamy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and like she sent it oh no no why did she send this back oh it was such a piss off too because it was like we were just changing over the list so i think like the i wasn't going to make more of this syrup or something like that like this was the last one right. we were serving and she sent it back oh fuck what was it it was something with tequila i think it was like a margarita but it had it either had like mezcal 
or like cilantro, something that was like savory. It was like so clearly not a sweet cocktail. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, oh no, like this isn't sweet at all. Like, yeah, yeah. And of course. Did you read the ingredients? Like, and then <laughs> and then like not to rant too much, but then they don't want to pay for it. I'm like, you read the ingredients, your server described it to you, warned you, and you yeah. still ordered it. At that point, you've made the decision now. Like yeah. If you go this into the properly, like yeah, this, this if you go, <laughs> go into the grocery store and buy a loaf of like pre-made garlic bread, ring it through the cash register, take it home, heat it up, and then go fuck no, this was too garlicky. You don't get to take it back to the store. Yeah. Like I don't. I'm, well, I'm sure people tried to do that, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know why at restaurants you're allowed to that kind of behavior. Uh, there's so many things. It's the same with like birthdays, right? Like I always say, I was like, well, what do you do for birthdays? I'm like, I don't know. What did <laughs> what did your massage therapist do anything for birthdays today? Yeah. Did you, like, yeah. It's something about our industry. But uh, anyway, that was a bit of a digression. But okay, so you start making, um, you, you start really getting into cocktailing at Red House. Um, yeah. And that's the first time that you're actually learning to make even classics, I'm guessing, right? Because you for haven't sure. really done it. Yeah. So, Not really at all, no. And what's your, what, what became and has become your favorite like go-to cocktail? Like from the classics? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, old fashions for sure. Yeah. But I'm like, I love bourbon. I love bourbon. Um, like a good, you know, like dirty martini. Mm. Uh, whiskey sour. Actually, I love a New York sour. Actually, right. I ordered a New York sour at your bar and it was great. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I probably didn't make it, but. <laughs> Dan did, but yeah. it was wonderful. That's actually one I did for this cocktail class that I was doing online um, because it's like it's 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 a good looking cocktail, uh, yeah. but it also but it's also simple and tastes good, right? Like mm-hmm. if you do it with the egg whites properly. For sure. Um, and what do you have? Like, uh, do you have a favorite cocktail that you've created? Mm, I've got probably a couple. I, so we try to switch up the list seasonally so i guess we would do maybe uh we'd probably do like three changes throughout the year at swine and vine um well i've got some favorites yeah there's one that's like we'll never be able to be taken off the list or i think people will start going crazy even just since covid happened that you know people are like how can i get this cocktail on like so that's nice that there's some favorites that people are like genuinely missing um, we had that away, Rabbit. We had one that uh, we came up with that was like, it was so fucking laborious, though. And like, and then I just wanted to get it off the menu so bad. That, but then people, it was just, there's no way you could it? take it up the more. Um, so it was like Thai basil and mint. And like, it, there was way too many ingredients in it, honestly. And like, if you yeah. were to redo it now, you probably wouldn't put that many ingredients in. It was not necessary, but you're like muddling cucumber and Thai basil and mint and pineapple and bitters and like all these like it took 45 minutes to make the fucking thing and then if you <laughs> if you were busy on a night and you got like four at once oh plus you'd had to sit for a little hour. while yeah so yeah I, I regret that um <laughs> uh, so uh so from there from red house you decide to actually go try like your try real life and get a job yeah, in your I tried field. To get like a, I tried to get a big girl job and mm. go and work outside of the industry. I guess I ble- like for a while I was doing part time of both. 
Um, but then when I was able to, I got like a full-time opportunity at um, my job in, in like a social service work um, sector. Uh, so then I left restaurants for two whole years and there was good and bad for sure. I mean, I think the first thing that people don't love about the service industry is your hours are opposite to the rest of the world. So that was kind of nice. You're like, okay, I'm home at night with, I'm on the same like schedule as my husband. Like that's nice. Although that gets pretty old pretty quick. Too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just miss restaurants in general. And I w- was just finding like at home even like, so I, so I left and went to a very, very high stress job. Yeah. And, now, I, sorry, I, we, we don't yeah. talk about this. We talk about the industry on the show, but what you did was pretty interesting. So I wouldn't mind talking about it a little sure. bit, like how, what a different experience that must have been. So yeah. describe what you were doing. So I ended up going into working with I guess teenagers, teens and like youth with, um, usually they were multi-diagnosed. So whether that be like autism or um, like fetal alcohol syndrome, like they usually had multiple which uh, diagnoses, which resulted in some very high unmanageable behaviors. So they needed to be taken out of their um, homes or they didn't have homes. So they're pretty much... Probably a pretty good training ground for working in the service industry. For oh, well, now it just seems like yeah, yeah, yeah. the feeling of my staff is a yeah. breeze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a vacation. Uh, so I went and did that. And then by the end of it, for uh, I was managing um, like a 10-bed uh, all-boys group home, which was all the time. And you were on call and... It, it was a lot. So I would find, I would come home and like the way to relieve stress, I was either making cocktails or cooking or something that was always centered around food and drink usually. Right. And, or like going out to eat, like my favorite thing to do is like spend time at restaurants. So Swine and Vine was always, like, but I didn't really want to go back and work for somebody anymore. I was kind of done with that. Um, Before you get there, do you yeah. uh, can you talk about? Do you feel like any of your experience managing this like sort of group home? Did it did any of it carry over to um, anything you're dealing with now as like owner manager, owner, oh, ownership sure. and manager? Yeah, because there um, I worked my way up there as well, and then was put into like a supervisory position, which I had never done in the industry. Um, never wanted to be in a man- management position at all. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, it's awful. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I saw it. Like I was around it enough to know that's not what I wanted to do. Was be mm. a manager at all? Mm. Um, so, but obviously, you need management experience of some nature to, you know, manage a team. So that so the group homes. That's where I got my experience. Uh, like any sort of management experience was, was right. there. And I mean, there you're managing, oh, oh my gosh, like it was unionized. So my workers were, which is fine, but you're working in like very high level stress environments. So there's just like complaints coming out the wazoo, a lot right. of formalities and just headaches in general. And that's not even like talking about the kids that you're working with. That's just like the staff. The staff. Well, and like, and like what? Like, personally, we, we don't get into politics here, but I'm like a supporter of unions. But like there, that does definitely bring with it 
challenges, right? Like you're not. Oh, for sure. Yeah. If, you, if you have people that are abusing the abusing the union or like not you, yeah, not what using you, it to like what it should be. What do you think about the notion of? There's been like a bit of a small movement in Ontario about like trying to unionize service the service industry. Uh, people have tried it several times and yeah. never really got off the ground. Do you have any opinions on that? No, I've never actually put too much thought into it. The only, yeah. I don't. Know, I, I feel like there there would definitely be some good things about if if workers were to unionize because I think there's a lot of issues in the industry, um, and like I I see us moving away from that. But even just like some yeah, like how some owners do treat their employees or yeah. either not, from like a like dictatorial uh, aspect or from like a sexual aspect like that some of those things could be really cleaned up for sure but for sure yeah but i but i can also like now as an owner as you are as well like i can only imagine the as much as i'm a union supporter that like i can't even imagine the problems of like yeah yeah if you're not using it for the right reasons like they can be easily abused, I would say. Yeah. Okay, that's fair to say. When I went yeah. to a flying dog, we had a union vote. Oh, you did. Yeah. yeah. That was that was more on a way to get back in ownership in that case. Right. That happened. So it's uh, I'm not going to say which way I voted after that. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that was one where it was more seemed like employees trying to get back at at, at uh, ownership versus making it better overall for. Right. Yeah. It's and it's like I mean, like I said, I think it can clean up a lot of parts of the industry, but I also think it's just it would be hard to roll it over at this point. So many years of like this being a, a non-union profession, and like yeah, but especially because every single I think the biggest roadblock would be that every single place is so different that you work at. It's the same job, but that's what makes these conversations interesting is because like every place you work at is although the same job can be completely different from the last place you worked at right oh, so yeah. it would be hard to have a standardized set of rules and regulations for, for sure because it's the, so different right like how do you have this it's so different it is right yeah. how do you have the same rules like we were talking about earlier for like your, the breakfast spot oscars as you would have at like say working at uh like a super fine dining restaurant you know like certain things aren't applicable it's the same job but it just isn't yeah 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 so so talk so you get i want to talk about uh so you're doing this job it's obviously pretty stressful what does your husband do uh now he's at the time he worked for a tech like a local tech company he worked for magnet forensics okay um so yeah he was like sales nine to five type of a thing okay so at this point you're like you're probably coming home and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but you're probably coming home pretty worn out, like, and, uh, oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. And like, stressed mentally, out. Mentally, physically, all of it. Yeah. 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 I can only imagine. Yeah. And so. then it's, it's, it was one of those jobs too, like, as like, oh, okay, I could ignore my phone, but it's, it's a home. So it's open 24 seven. These things don't stop. So it's like, if I leave this tonight, even though technically I'm not working, I like, I have a bigger shit storm to deal with in the morning. Right. So yeah. you're on pretty much all the time. Well, do you find too, like, um, how many days a week during normal times is Swine and Vine open? Five. 
five. So do you, uh, and I'm, are you there all five nights? Yeah, I'm pretty much there. Though. Yeah, okay. So it's a little bit different. Like I would, well, we'll see what happens after all this shit storm ends. But like right now, Street Run's open seven nights. I can't be there every night. So no. I find that like the phone thing is, is an issue on your days off as well. Like the, the business doesn't oh, yeah. stop just because you're not there, right? Like No, I f- and even though we're open the five days, like it, things don't stop even on the days that the restaurant's closed, like there's just things you need to tend to or emails or I don't know, or something with staff or. Yeah. There's a big difference in the, um, when you move to the ownership side of like how much responsibility people don't really see the, and even people who've been in the service industry their whole lives who have never done that side of it would do not understand how it just doesn't stop for the people who own the business. Right. Like yeah, it's, it's crazy. All the time, full time. Like my wife says now, like the most amazing thing about this pandemic is how silent my phone is. <laughs> and do you like that, or is like part? It was probably cool for like two days, and then you're like, this. That's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. Like it was great at the beginning. I was like, holy shit, there's a break. Like even I would even say the first week, I was like, wow, I don't really have any fucking thing to think about except trying not to die. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, um. And then after a while, I was like, fuck, I miss, I miss it. I miss the phone going off. I miss not being checking in to see how we're doing if I'm not there. And Yeah, like, oh, yeah. For I sure. even miss the fucking reps. <laughs> oh, really? You've gone to that point? <laughs> uh, <laughs> not there yet, huh? Not there yet, but that's because they're still visiting. No, I'm just Yeah, <laughs> okay, so you... Um, so you uh, decide at some point that you're maybe thinking about getting back into the service industry. Like what, or or was it more, there probably wasn't like a light switch moment, more of a gradual? I think more of a gradual. I think I had always just had this idea, like if I were to ever own my own place, like a kind of a total pipe dream, just like, oh, that would be fun. Mm-hmm. Like what, I, what, what kind of restaurant I would like to own. And this is like what I would want the vibe to be. And, you know, this is the food and blah, 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 blah. Um, and then my, my husband's in real estate now. So I think we kind of always liked flipping properties or I don't know, we've done a whole bunch of shit, but, um, we always would watch real estate. So we did look at a couple commercial spots and then it was, it was, nothing was like a perfect fit or you had to put a kitchen in or something like that with that's a lot of money. And Fuck we don't it, have, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Spoke if so, someone who's done that twice, like I don't know why yeah. I did it a second time. It's idiotic. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all gonna work out. I can't wait to go visit your bar again. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah. So, um, so you were like, and uh, can you give me besides like the notion of like having to put a kitchen in there? What like what what were the things you were looking for for like the perfect spot? And uh, first of all, I also think you were very smart to like wait for the perfect spot because so many people are just like so eager to do it that they will settle for a spot and it's not it's or or try and smash an idea into a spot that doesn't fit it for sure um yeah what kind of roadblocks yeah I mean sometimes it was just logistics like you know we logistically don't have the money to outfit a kitchen or, or this wouldn't work or zoning or I don't know um we put an offer in on one place and then had it and like that fell apart. So then I would say it was probably a, like a, a full year. But again, it's not like we were waking up every day like 
this is the goal. This is what we're going to do. Then that makes it a lot easier because if you like, I find, I, well, I found certainly in my career of doing this now, like when you go looking, you're not finding shit. It's like, and it's probably the same with like buying a house or any other thing in the real estate, but you, you, you at least like with your husband in the real estate background probably knows that better than most. Right. So for sure. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Like we're like, we even look now and I'm just, it's always good to know your options. Yeah. Kind of yeah. see what's out there. So, um, so with the space that we're in now, um, that just kind of ha- like, to be honest, we just had a friend over and he was telling us how public was up for sale and like, oh, did you see like public's up for sale on Kijiji or whatever? And we're like, oh. yeah, how is it up for sale on Kijiji? Uh, that... Uh, that's where, what? yeah, that's yeah. where the app was. Like, that's so, so this weird, is kind huh? of a, like, yeah, we were just shooting the shit and that's kind of how the conversation just happened. And we're like, oh, no way. And then, so we went and looked at it. And then I think probably like two nights later, we're like, why don't we just go for dinner and we'll see, like, maybe the owners will be there, like, kind of informally talk about it. So I think we just dropped by and we ate and Carly and Ryan were there. So they kind of gave us a tour around and they were already in, um, like, negotiations with somebody else. So we're like, oh, okay, like, again, I'm very, like, everything happens at the right time for the right reason. So, like, never really try to force something. So I'm like, okay, we'll kind of take it as a sign that that's not the right move. But then I think within the week, like that deal had fallen apart and they were really eager um, to work with us. Um, So I think within like a week and a half from that initial meeting, I had like put in my two weeks into my job and we were like, if we're ever going to do this, it's going to be now. And, you know, you're running the numbers and it's something that's actually feasible. And Carly and Ryan were really great. They were really open. We're like, this is kind of what we think a place like this could do sales wise, like tell us if we're completely off the mark here. Um, and they were just good to work with. So I went in and like, once it was kind of like a done deal, like Carly let me go in and do a sh- our beloved shadow shifts. Yes. <laughs> I shadowed, but not really. Like, I think we just sat at the bar and got drunk and ate food, but it was good. It was helpful to like, at least watch a service from from like their perspective to see how they were running things. Uh, I find it's very similar again to buying a house in a way that like you're looking, you're looking, nothing's happening, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. Then it's like, boom, now it's go time. Like, no, now we're going to move on this. And now we're fucking doing it. Now I'm already doing it. Like in in the decision of like, in the time frame of like looking, looking, looking to, Oh my God! I've already signed something. It's it happens so quickly, really fast. and and then you just find yourself in it. You wake up one day like, oh, I guess I'm fucking doing this now. Like, yeah, you know? basically, yeah. that was kind of how it was. Because then we took ownership. Um, excuse me, like December the first, and we knew we had to get open as soon as we possibly could. And that was the nice thing about buying a building that had already been a restaurant, and we bought right. all the paddles and all of that. So that was nice. But you of course want to have your own feel and. Um, but yeah, like basically within 35 days, we did all the renovations and got everything up and ready to open. In- well, that's great. It's usually the, the, the big problems I have found at both of my places are just dealing with the city and getting through, jumping through all the hoops that they put you through every time. Like both of yeah. my places were, as you know, were like super delayed because of city bullshit. So, <laughs> well, I mean, like that, pa- so we put a patio up front. 
which we basically started on that as soon as we took ownership because we got, we took over the space in Jan- or December. So we're like, oh, it'll be nice to have a patio out front. Um, like we'll get right on it thinking that, you know, we're six months ahead. Like we're all over this all on top of it. And we didn't end up getting it for like another fucking like year and a half. Right. And we had to, oh my God, jump through so many hoops with all of that. It's yeah, crazy. Like, they just keep coming back and they'll always find one more thing. Like, and, I, and but I, we weren't even like getting the same answer. It's like, well, yeah. somebody said this. And so this is why we went this direction. And then it's like, oh, well, no, no. It's so now frustrating. You gotta do, now you got to jump through some other hoop. And like, I don't know who told you that. I'm like, there's like how many of you in that office? It can't be that big. How are you guys not? <laughs> yeah, I swear to God, I, I could start an entirely new podcast just dedicated to bitching about Dealing with dealing with the city, yeah. Uh, it will all be interesting to people like you and me, but <laughs> yeah, we'll have like, yeah, yeah. like four people listening, yeah, all yeah. over, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> on forever. I used to work for the city, uh, I know he's like, one of the yeah. problems, <laughs> yeah. On it, like, eventually, we ended up dealing with nice enough, like, there were nice enough people who were willing to work with us, but. Yeah, if we didn't have a couple of those who were willing to go to bat for us and kind of like back us up, I don't think we ever would have gotten it. It was a nightmare. Yeah, I would like to say as well that like I don't think it, with the exception of maybe one or two people I dealt with at either of these places, that the the people themselves are bad people. It's just the bureaucracy yeah. is so fucked up that like yeah. like you said, there's be six people in the in the same office giving you six different answers. Like exactly. And are you like you're giving me this person's email or contact or whatever, and then this is bouncing and telling me that I need to go talk to this person. It's mm-hmm. like so we just started going like going down to the city. It's like who here should I be talking yeah. to? Because yeah. I'm not getting a straight answer like on the phone or through emails. And then and then like it's summertime, you want obviously everybody wants to be out on a patio. That's where I want to be. We get like two yeah. months of summer here. So you start to feel the pressure of like I need to get I need to get this going. Yeah. Well, that's when they're all on holidays. So right. Like, fucking luck. When we were trying to get our um, building permit for Sugar Run, uh, there was one woman who was issuing building permits for the city of Kitchener at the time, and she went on vacation. And then when she got back from vacation, she got in a car accident. And then when she got back from the car accident, she got really ill. So she, so nobody got a building permit for three months. It was crazy. Like, yeah, yeah, like how is it that when what other universe to like if somebody gets sick is there no one else there to do their job like yeah unionized environment at the city of kitchener yeah <laughs> yeah there you go yeah yeah so hey, hey, for those who, hey, for those who don't know can you mention where the location is uh, oh let's... sorry yeah. yeah i'm also gonna get myself more wine yeah <laughs> um it's on lancaster street so like lancaster and union so it really is right on the line of waterloo and kitchener Okay, so let's talk about this. Now, did you already have a concept in mind or did you find the space and say, oh, this is what the con- this what this concept would work there? I had the co- I always had the concept in mind first. And, like and tell tell our listeners what is the concept. So although I mean, who knows, it'll have to change after COVID because I don't know if yeah. the shareable plates is gonna be the style. Oh, oh, that, I, you know what? I never thought about that, but you might be oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, it's kind of 
European, like focused on charcuterie and then like a shared style of dining. So we didn't really ever pigeonhole ourselves into one cuisine, but essentially like no entrees, all, all terrible small plates. Right. And the place is that you come in and, and, and share food, but like now with COVID-19, we'll see how. No. And, and public um, kitchen that uh, essentially was there before you and then moved mm. down to Victoria street a little bit. Uh, they, uh, they had, they do tapas. So kind of similar. So when you went in there to shadow, as you were saying, it's kind of like, you really get an idea of that that concept's going to work in that spot. For sure. And I'd gone to public for, for years. It wasn't like that was, I, didn't understand or right. know what they're doing. Yeah. But it was good too because you're right. It's like it's an odd location. It is. It's in a, you know, a kind of unassuming plaza that's like you wouldn't expect a nice, nicer establishment to be in there. But it was nice that public was there because it was like, well clearly they had made it work. They had outgrown that space for sure. Like they were reservation only, I want to say for the at least the last year or two that they were there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you obviously knew then that people would travel to that part of the city because you do, it's a destination. You're not walking around there. Like, um, no, although there are, there are more people that live there than around in that area than you expect that there are. And there are, there's not a whole lot else restaurant wise in that area. So you, you have okay. that advantage. Like For I know, sure. a, I know a few people who live in that area, um, like for instance, the Brows, Greg Brow, the oh, yeah. old, our our local Wellington brewery rep, shout mm-hmm. out to Greg, um, who's got to get his ass on this show too. Oh, yeah. uh, I was gonna but, say that'd be the yeah. perfect uh, guest for you, Greg. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, he and I worked together for like twenty years almost. So, um, but uh, yeah, he uh, lives right in that area, and he was saying when public was open too, the same thing. He's like, no, you don't understand. There's a lot of fucking people who live. Like, it's not super close, but like a five minute car ride from that spot. For sure. And it's, um, it's an older neighborhood. So I think now a lot of younger families are buying up these, these houses um, in and around that area, just as kind of the older generation starts to move out. And there's condo yeah. developments. And obviously like we can just see the development of the city, like Kitchener and, downtown Kitchener and uptown Waterloo are really creeping closely together. So for sure. Um, Okay. So uh, now this is your first at in one fell swoop. It's your first um, attempt to own and manage a restaurant. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And are you doing, is your husband involved in the day-to-day grind of it or is pretty much you, right? Pretty much me. Yeah. Yeah. Although like he's definitely, he, um, wears many hats and he helps when he when is needed so he's pretty involved but no like he he, that's not his day-to-day he owns his own real estate business so so yeah you're you're running the show there um (laughs) and uh uh, i'm just speaking from my own experience like the first my my first place i made we all think that we know how to run a restaurant right because we come up in the restaurant and we're just like oh i could do this better than the motherfuckers who are doing this here and then yeah. you then you get that job and you're like oh shit like there was so much that i didn't know and wasn't ready for and my me personally i made every possible mistake at rabbit until i sort of got my head around the idea first right so um did you find any challenges in that regard or do you find because maybe of your experience managing the group home that you were kind of ready to do stuff like that um i feel like i'm still learning like yeah 
really, so we're two and a half years into it, which is nuts. Um, but for sure, like I'll look back to like our opening days and it's like, oh my God, I can't even believe, you know, half the shit that we were doing or how we were doing it. Like, so it's been a pretty cool experience because I will, like, we are always learning and we've, I, I personally don't think we've ever tried to, you know, say we know how to do it best right? by any, by any means. And, um, yeah, I like being involved in the industry because I like learning from other people. Like I'm, yeah. I like learning different styles and just kind of observing how other people do it because I think everybody's kind of, um, experience and their take on things is valuable to uh, it might not I might not do it that way or I may not implement something that I'm really glad you said that because I couldn't agree with that more it's like if the second you feel like you know everything you're fucking dead right like like Mm. you can constantly be learning from other people who are doing it the same job as you but you can also learn from the people who maybe you hire who just have a fresh take and pretty much anyone you hire when you get to the stage of ownership is going to be younger than you. So, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's not always that way, but 90% yeah. of the time, yeah. like they have an idea that you just hadn't thought of yet, you know? Um, For sure. And then you're like, that makes complete sense. Like I would have never maybe come to that conclusion on my own. Right. And you can't have an ego about it. You got to just like be no. able to like what's best for the business, right? That's what matters. Exactly. Yeah. Otherwise you're dead. You're going to feel yeah. Well, and I've definitely worked at places where the ownership or the management just wasn't interested in any ideas besides their own. And like those places don't do well. No, (laughs) not really. And I would imagine you're probably not going to like there's high turnover anyways, but you're probably not going to retain your staff if they feel like they can't voice their opinion or that they're not. uh, Like, obviously, you can't take everybody's ideas and implement them, but no, but give them value at least. Exactly. And I feel like I do feel good about the fact that I feel like all of my staff feel comfortable in coming to me and at least communicating a concern or um, an idea and they don't feel like I'm never going to use it. And how many staff do you have? Uh, Well, we had eight. Now we have have eight. um, And now we're down to two. We've been able to bring back some like part-time, but... um, well, yeah. hopefully, we're all hoping that everybody gets to come back to their jobs. Believe me, like, I don't know how you felt, but like, the day that I had realized that I had to lay off my entire staff was like. And I don't even I, think I realized that at first when it was happening, like, that you're going to have to, like, the response, like, you have to lay everyone off. Like, yeah, like, I convinced awful. these people to come and work for me. You feel a sense of responsibility. And like, I was a dark day, man. I went back to some like old school partying that day, like just a, yeah, a party, yeah. but depressing partying. Like, yeah, like not, not, the, not, not a fun party. Like, no, yeah. like I was just, I just felt like shit. Like, I, it's, it sucks. It, you know, yeah. they have like, especially like you employ industry professionals and like, mm. like I look for people that are looking for this as a career. Yeah. Um, and they va- they value and they love their job, and they've got mortgages and f- like kids yep. to provide for. So you feel like shit, and especially for for servers, like that emer- like at the time we didn't know what that emergency benefit is going to look like. But if you go on EI, like everybody knows, servers make 
on paper, you know, less than minimum wage. So like, what are you getting if you're on EI? Like you can't even. No. It's, yeah. Well, yeah, we, they survive on tips. Right. So mm. yeah, I know it's, it was dark. Um, did you, uh, so are you in your position, um, you're very small staff when you're at full capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, are you pretty much, do you have a manager or are you running everything yourself? Now we have a manager because it just wasn't feasible for me to be. You got to delegate, right? Being, yeah, delegate. actually, that's probably my biggest flaw is I try to do everything myself. Yeah, I mean, and I, uh, and you really do. And you need to learn to delegate. And then you need to trust people that you've, you know, put in those positions to do a good job. Yeah, um, I, I, I learned that power, the power of delegation at Rabbit. I was like, at first, I was like, no, I if, if I want everything done the way I want it done, I got to do it all. And then... Um, slowly over time i realized that was stupid and and now at sugar run i'm just like yeah i got i got a great manager there let him let him take care of it yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. so we do have a manager in the front and then the chef runs the back but i'm still pretty involved yeah i am for sure um and the problem is is that i really like the bartending aspect of it so if we're really slammed then i get greedy and i take the bar <laughs> yeah that's not a problem <laughs> yeah it's fun yeah. i like like i yeah. legitimately enjoy it and i like talking to you know our patrons and so yeah i'm the same way like i i'm still working physically at the bar every night that i'm there like either serving or bartending and like i i'm already missing it like i don't miss the day-to-day aspects of running the bar but i miss the the interaction with people. guests and yeah yeah, yeah for sure um and so uh you so um you you have a shareable plate concept uh and i know we talked about this a little bit about this already but let's get into how you brought the whole cocktail culture into swine and mine i think well when i we opened i always knew that i wanted to have like the beverage program because i do enjoy my beverages yeah I wanted like a good beer list and I think we have amazing, like amazing craft breweries in the area. So I want, I knew I wanted to go like all Ontario craft and now we try to even go more local because there's, there's just so many places in the area to support and that are legitimately making good beer. So I wanted to have uh, like a good beer list, amazing cocktails. And then I wanted to have kind of an eclectic wine list. Um, so I have a consultant, I have Rebecca Pettigrew. She does the wine list for, um, for the restaurant. Um, and she was, she was a KW, uh, local for a bit. Now she's gone off to Toronto. Um, but she, like I worked with her at Red House. She was at the charcoal complex. So that's kind of where I first had met her. Mm -hmm. Um, but she's amazing at what she does and, and still has an eye on what, you know, other restaurants are doing in the area. So we're kind of a little bit different and what works with the style of food. And let's talk about that for a second. It's good to have that uh, notion because uh, we, we were joking about reps earlier, but like one of my big pet peeves is when you deal with a certain rep and you say, this is what I'm looking for. I want to be different. Like, especially wine is a big one for me. So like, if you're, if you're dealing with your wine reps and I have great ones, so I'm not like, but I've also dealt with so many of them who are just trying, they tell you one thing and they're doing another. So for instance, I'll say, I we're trying to do this with our wine list and I'm 
the only things I care about are that you can't get it at the LCBO yeah. because I want a unique experience at my mm-hmm. business. And you can't, and, and, and that no one in my direct line of sight is serving the same wine. Yeah. Like I want to have something different than the bar or restaurant that's 20 feet from me. You know, I like, and, oh, yeah. and then I'll, and they'll be like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I find out, no, they're bringing me a, and, and well, the other thing I would say is if I'm printing it on a list, uh, on a, um, like a standard list, then I need to be able to get it. Like you can't. In like, quant- yeah. In large quantities. Yeah. Or like, at least I can get it this month and also next month. Cause I've mm-hmm. gone to the point of printing a menu. Right. So, and how many times I've realized that, the reps will yeah 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 you and then they'll sell you try to get rid of right yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and so not only are they selling it to you they are selling it to the place 20 feet from you yeah. and you won't be able to get it next month because it's the end of the stock yeah that's a short-sighted play on their behalf though because i don't right? forget people who do shit like that what a yeah. dumb move that's a dumb move just if there's any reps listening, that's a stupid move. Like, that is a fucking stupid move because we will stupid. just not, we'll just be done with you. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. And you know, like, you know, obviously, talking about reps, there's the ones that you love, Greg Brow, and there's yeah. the ones that you don't like care yeah. to really have the pot buys with or whatever. Ultimately, you want good product. You want good beer. You want, you know, you know, you want, you want quality shit. But the other thing is, is I want, I, if I have to deal with you, we're going to have yes. a working relationship. You also need to be somebody that I want to work with. That's so it. like for something like that, like that's just so stupid. Like I probably won't, you may, you could have like the best um, portfolio and I probably will not want to work with you again. Yeah. we've done, And uh, I, there's a certain, I'm not going to get into names because I don't want to like, <laughs> We're not really into slagging people here, no, 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 no. except ourselves. But uh, um, but uh, like I've had dealt with there's 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 a, there's a certain wine company that uh, a wine distribution company that has like the best fucking wine of anyone that almost nobody in our town wants to deal with anymore because they're such dicks. Like <laughs> and, yeah. and, and they play those and games. Like, I just travels like people yeah. Talk. So. And they treat their staff like shit and like, you know, and it's just like, that's, it's especially, it's a small community here. Like word gets out, sure. you know. Oh, now, word gets around big time. And converse, and it's the same if you're a shitty employee, by the way, for anyone who's listening to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, you walking, walking out on places or burning bridges walking as you walk out, out the door. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because, well, now, of course, everybody's looking for jobs, which, which is awful. Like the state yes. of, it sucks. But it's so funny because I'm getting resumes and like, I don't think people realize that it was like, well, you had an opportunity, but you know, two years ago, you didn't like, you just blew off your stock. Oh, I don't do stages or like something yeah. like that. And now, like, I don't know if you think that I don't remember that or, or like not showing up for interviews. Like that's a oh, huge problem. I'm right? so glad you said that. That's happened like, to me so many times. I just don't, so I can't. Many. I don't I, get I, that. Like what, just show up and say, or call and say, you know what, I've accepted another job. But to like, it's amazing how many times people just no show an interview yeah. and with no, and like you're sitting around waiting for them. Like, yeah. Or you've like moved your day around because yeah. you obviously want to do a bunch of interviews all at once. Like you've blocked off this time and then they, and then they literally just like so many people no show. 
now. Yeah. I don't understand really? that. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a like I'll be if I book like 10 interviews in a day, guaranteed like uh, seven will show. And like I for sure will have some that don't show. And it's fucking crazy because um, guess what? Maybe you did find a job that you like better. So, but we That's all fine. Work. I can I can understand yeah. that. Yeah, this I, this I, job I is so that. fucking transient though. Like at some point you might want the to to have an opportunity to take a different job, right? And if you yeah. burn your like, if someone no shows an interview with me, that's it. That like that person's. Oh different. yeah, you're not coming back. Like yeah, like, I save those physically. Save them. Yeah. <laughs> no show, and then I like go back and check. Like so, if anyone's listening to this, then it's <laughs> like uh, them seriously, just at the very least, we everybody understands that you found a job that maybe is more suited to you or you felt was more suited to you at the very least just call and just be call like and say yeah that. yeah just like i accepted a different position no one's going to be mad how can i fault you for that yeah exactly we've all done it like uh but i've had reps do that too getting back to reps like i had um a woman who set up an appointment with me to do a wine tasting and then i sat around for like a half an hour and then i called and there was no answer and she, I'm like, yeah. And then I called the company and uh, they were like, oh, yeah, she doesn't work here anymore. And I'm like, OK, fair enough. But she's probably going to go work for a different company because yeah. that's what she does for a living. And that's it. Now she's those products are not good. Like I, I the proper way to do it. And I've had reps do this as well. Call me and be like, just so you know, I'm really sorry. I'm not working for this company anymore. It didn't work out. I'm going to. Uh, either already have another job or I'm going to try and find another job. I hope we can work together again. It's very simple. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> and usually those are the people that you'll continue to work. Like you will probably yeah. switch over if you have a good relationship with the rest. Oh yeah. I've, I've worked, I've worked with reps. So I've gone through several different companies just cause I like them. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like what? Uh, and also like getting back, there are so many reps. Like I feel like we're slagging on them a little bit, but like there are so many who are such wonderful people and so good at their job. And I, like and that matters to owners and managers. Like when when we may develop a relationship with that, I know when I left Rabbit and went to go open Shorter Ride, there were like three or four people I called right away and was like, I want to work with you again. So if, if it's probably the same in any line of business, but if you just care and are good about your job and a good person, people want to stick with you, right? Like yeah, I could, yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's I love like the reps that the reps that I do love. Yeah, and I'm not trying to, but I feel I feel like I could write a manual on how to be a sales rep, like yeah, yeah, and how not to, the do's and don'ts, like repping for dummies or something like that. But I the ones that we do work with, like I I love you love them, you consider them friends. Like I want to be able to like grab a beer with you, yeah, and be able to have like a genuine conversation. Not that like, and you better have good shit too. Sure. Obviously, but those are the people that you want to work with, and then they want to support your business in turn. And like, it's a two-way street. I don't understand really another way to do it. But no, I just don't. Yeah, I don't get where it comes from. Those people just shouldn't be in that job, I guess. But like, but there are people in our industry who shouldn't be in their job either. So that's very true. (laughs) And just don't realize it. Um, Well, Jill, this has been fantastic. We really appreciate you coming on. Um, Yeah, thanks. I personally. I personally love your restaurant. I can't wait till we're back up and running all of us and I, I can come sit there and you can come and have a drink at Sugar Run. And um, if someone wants to get in contact with your restaurant, how do they do that? Website or Instagram? 
Uh, either one website right now, there's an online store for takeout ordering. So www.swineandvine.ca. Um, but we're very heavy on Instagram for sure. So if you wanted to stay up to date with what's going on, you can follow us at, um, what's our handle? Is it Swine and Vine? Yeah. Swine and Vine on Instagram. Swine and Vine. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Thanks again, Jill. It's been great talking Thanks. to you and uh, hope to see you soon in, re in real life. In real life. Yeah. All right. Okay. Cheers. Okay. Bye. Bye.